Hello and welcome to the Manifesting Makeup Artist podcast. I'm your host, Amber Tallarico, founder and creator of the What It Takes documentary and now online platform. I'm so excited to bring this podcast to our community that offers education, motivation, and inspiration. It's my mission to connect education with mindset techniques so that you can manifest the career of your dreams. If you love this episode, make sure to give us a five-star review and feel free to take a screenshot on your phone to share with your social media and tag us on Instagram. I want to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors, EI School of Makeup, where artistry meets industry. Thank you guys so much for being a part of this podcast. All right, are you ready to manifest the shit out of your career? I sure hope so, because I know I am. Let's get on with the show. Oh, pumped for this week's guest, Donald Mowat. Just to paint a picture, I stumbled across Donald's work after watching Nightcrawler. A little known fact about me, I'm a total research freak. So anytime that I watch a film and I'm like super stoked about the makeup or the hair, I immediately look up IMDb and I research who did the makeup and the entire team that was a part of it and everything. So obviously I was obsessed with the makeup from Nightcrawler and I found Donald and became a super fan of his work from then on. My absolute favorite type of work is when you see a movie and you can't even tell that there is makeup. This is seriously a true art that like I just feel like always goes unseen. And of course I still give credit of you know to the big character makeups like the Grinch or Edward Scissorhands. But what I really feel goes unseen are the artists who are really, really gifted at making their actors look like they legitimately have nothing on when in fact they do. If you don't know Donald's work, let me give you the scoop here. Donald is an LA-based makeup department head and personal makeup artist, and he's been doing this for over 30 years, specifically in feature films and TV. He is a two-time BAFTA nominee, an Emmy, Saturn, and two-time 706 Guild Award winner. And just a few of his credits include Blade Runner 2049, Nocturnal Animals, Sicario, Prisoners, Nightcrawler, Skyfall, 8 Mile, The Fighter, and the highly anticipated Dune, which is currently in the process of, I believe, finishing up production so that I don't know when it's coming out, but I know I read an article recently about that it's currently in post-production. And the great thing that I love about Donald is he actually does a lot of department heading as well as personal work. And we're going to get into the nitty gritty of his experience with this and kind of finding that balance of being a department head as well as a personal. So you're in for a treat, you guys. And I mean, Nightcrawler, you guys, it's legitimately my favorite movie of all time because of the character development that Jake Hall has in that movie. It is incredible. 
It's amazing. And the hair and makeup. Oh my gosh. I just like, I'm like geeking out right now. And Donald is also going to talk about this in our interview. So I won't say too much, but I was totally fangirling out if I'm being completely honest with you all. (laughs) There's a lot that goes into creating a character, like on all levels, whether it is a simple straight makeup or a full-blown alien. The interesting thing is that the meanings behind these characters are almost never really brought to the surface. And what I mean by this is there's, you know, obviously lots of little discussions that we as makeup artists have with, you know, our directors, our producers, our writers, and sometimes even bringing the actors in for the discussions about, you know, the hair doing this or the makeup doing that because of maybe a certain personality trait. But enough from me, though. Let's get on with the interview. Hello, Donald. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me here. Yes, yes, of course, of course. So, Donald, I would love to have you start from the beginning. So tell right. us about your, this, like, how you got into the makeup industry okay. and how you started okay. it all. I will try. It's, I, my memory is, is fading a little bit. It was such a long time ago. Um, you know, I think before I answer this, because it will take a minute, and I'm going to try to do the the synopsis or kind of, you know, to, to not bore everybody. Because, you know, when you look back, I think the one thing is that it seems interesting to us at the time, but when people are aspiring to be in the same business, sometimes you just have, people are so long-winded and I just don't want to turn into that old guy that's a real windbag. Um, it's a different business. Times have changed. Um, I think it's really important to say that to people. I recognize that it's a different time. And I think to some extent it's harder now than it was when I was a young person uh, doing this. So um, basically I started kind of by, it's not by accident. I really knew I was interested in something in film. I loved film, but I'm a filmmaker first and then a makeup artist. Okay. That's really important to, um, uh, I think to share that with people because I feel a lot of people are makeup artists first and that's maybe why they have a harder time trying to navigate the industry. Um, but you know what? I, I mean, I was a kind of quirky, funny kid, like most people who want to do this. And, and I love going to films. I love going to theater. And my parents were really good. My dad was encouraging. We had a repertory cinema. I grew up in Montreal, Canada. Uh, there was a repertory cinema near where I lived. I went to see films I probably shouldn't have been seeing um, just because they were quite complicated and I'd be maybe 10, 11, 12 going to movies. But by 12 years old, I started to notice the names, the makeup, the costumes. And that intrigued me that that was, a you could do that for a living. And that's really what got me interested. And then plays at school and children's theater. And that leads you to like operatic societies. And, you know, I, I met some great people who helped me get this book. I went to the library because there weren't the schools there are today. And you really had to be kind of self-taught. And I had no connection to the film industry. Um, I had no contacts. I didn't know anybody. So really, every time I heard there was a student film or I went to a college that had a fine arts department, photography, hey, that kid Donald Mowat, he can do the makeup, right? That's how it happened. And then I became really addicted to it because that's what it is. And that started me and then I started getting paid and then I tried to move around and make my next move. And 
one film starting in 1984 as an assistant working on the background doing, I don't know, body makeup on extras on a really horrible movie led to working on another really horrible movie and another one until eventually I found my way uh, up to working up the proverbial ladder. And that was the start of my career. So school wasn't, I love going to school. I didn't have the best, maybe the best direction in terms of what should I be studying because we didn't study, there was, you didn't study makeup. Um, and that's really how I got started. Yeah, I love that. And so I feel like what you said about that you're a filmmaker first, I think that's really important because um, some some aspiring makeup artists, um, they don't have quite that that focus or the, um, you know, where they start out with like, I don't know what I want to do, but it, it helps so much to mm -hmm. like have that focus from the get go. Well, I think what's what I mean, more to your point, and I think it's really, I really, I think it's great you appreciate it because a lot of people don't. I mean, I've worked with people who desperately want to work with me and, and well, not just me, anybody in the business who can hire them. And, and it's really interesting because I, I meet so many people who, they're not always necessarily that interested in film. The makeup, I mean, I think maybe it's too much a face-off or, you know, all this sort of the competition of it and the, the glamour and the Instagrammable nature of it. I, because I'll say to somebody, my God, you know, the, the kind of makeup I'm looking to do in this is going to be a bit similar to what they did in that film. And I'll say it, reference a film. And I'm always a little bit disappointed that someone doesn't know the film I'm referencing. Because how can you work in film or television makeup and any aspect, hair, costume, and not know a reference? And if you didn't know the reference, you're going to be the person who goes, oh, gosh, I better look that one up, right? So, um, yes, I think filmmaker in the sense of knowing what other people do, uh, taking the time to watch what the other departments do, make you, um, well, it makes you a filmmaker, doesn't it? You're collaborative. It's not just about you. Um, so that's, that's really what it is. Yeah, and I think it also helps too. you understand the filmmaking as a whole with all the different departments as well. Well, I think so because sometimes people will come in who are starting and they'll ask me for suggestions of, you know, how can I be better? How, and I'm like, well, because some, just take a second, stop and, and watch and, and you'll see that it's kind of a dance and, and it's, it, it is a dance and watching the camera, the grip, the dolly grip push in, watch the, the focus puller, pull focus, the DP who's, you can watch it all happening. And if you're part of that experience, then you are a filmmaker. But if you're only worried about the lips or the eyeliner, then you're just another person doing makeup. And that is not maybe, um, for me is not the most exciting thing. And I love working with makeup, obviously, but it's not the only side of, of film. So it's collaboration, it's teamwork, there's leadership in the head of department. Um, and every film is different and every department head is different. Yes, yes. I love that you're saying this and pointing this out. It's so important. And I would love for you to talk about your experience with, um, you know, you being a, a department head and creating these characters and all. Because what I really, really appreciated about your work is you have a very specific style and it's very raw. It's very gritty. All of the, the, the straight makeups look very, you know, just raw. And then all of your special mm -hmm. effects is very 
just so true to what it would look like, say, in real life. It's very realistic. So um, would you, you know, be down to share kind of your process of mm -hmm. creating characters and things like that? Sure. Um, well, you know, every, I mean, we all work differently. I think I tend to work maybe based in reality. Um, and also, I think I work a little bit based in fashion. Um, and I never thought of that before, but it recently somebody brought that up to me. And I thought that's very interesting because it's partially true because when people talk about this film, uh, are we trying to emulate fashion or is fashion trying to emulate film? And of course it goes both ways. Um, I would say that if somebody were to be doing uh, Lord of the Rings, I'm not their guy. It, it's not my genre. I love what Peter King did, for instance. Um, colleagues of mine who've done incredible work on those films, but that's not my world. But give me a Denis Villeneuve film and that's, we're talking. Um, so I would say yes, based in reality. Um, uh, and I think just being able to push yourself a little bit further. Um, sometimes people get also too caught up in what is real or authentic. And I'm very careful with that because we also have to take some license. I mean, I'll give you a, for example, sometimes having no blood on a, on a body or a corpse is actually more definitive to me that they're dead. And people don't understand that. But of course, if you really do your research, so I love that I can play with things like that. And I'm very interested in working with directors who understand that. Um, so I, I would say um, part of my process would be to figure out the kind of director I'm working with what the director of photography, what kind of style does he or she have? Will it help me or, or hinder? Is, is, am I gonna be a problem? Are, are there prosthetics involved that require, am I, is it within the realm of what I design and, and HOD or do I need to bring in somebody who's really unbelievably experienced at something like that? Um, the kind of actors I'm working with, do they want, what kind of makeup are they interested in developing for the character? Um, so I'd say that's my first thing is research, character development, um, the kinds of nuts and bolts of, of the department. You know, are we spending money on this movie or are we doing it for a nickel? Um, so every film comes with a different challenge, a set of challenges. Yeah, I love that. I was actually just talking about this, about how um, how powerful it is to position yourself as a leader that you actually know exactly what you are capable of, what you're not capable of, what your best, you know, assets are, mm -hmm. maybe what you're not as good at, which is what you were talking about with the Lord of the Rings. Like that's something that you would probably say no mm -hmm. to because that's not something you, um, you know, the typical work that you do. And I love that you, mm -hmm. you basically said, said exactly what I had talked about in the past. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think, I don't think I'd even get offered a Lord of the Rings. I was many, many years ago offered the very first X-Men. Um, so we're going back now quite a minute. But I remember being sent the script. I think Gord Smith was doing the makeup effects, the prosthetics. I was being asked about being the department head makeup slash some, you know, uh, uh, it, it just wasn't for me. It never was. I sort of read it. I think I still have that script. Um, it. I knew it wasn't for me and they're brilliant films and they did an incredible job. Um, makeup and hair and so many people have followed and had great careers from them and been nominated for things and, and, and whatnot, but it wasn't for me. And I think if you're not interested in the material, then it's not going to be a film you'll do a great job on. That's my own take. 
Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. And what is your experience? I know that you also do personal work as well with, um, you know, having the the position of mm -hmm. department heading as well as personal work, because mm -hmm. I know that mm -hmm. they are two very, you know, specific mm -hmm. roles. Mm -hmm. And I think that you do such a great job doing it. So how do you kind of balance mm -hmm. the two? It, you know, it's very difficult. Um, a lot of people are surprised when I say that being a personal is much more difficult sometimes than being the department head. Um, and they don't really, and I know why they don't get it right away. And I think it shows a kind of lack of understanding of, of how a department works. You know, running a department is, is a very special skill. It requires a very um, specific type of, of way of being and working. It's, it, it's also creative. I mean, you're designing the look of most of the characters, if not all of them. The personal, you come with a kind of a dedication and loyalty to the person you're working with and less so to the, the overall look of the film. Well, actually, you have no responsibility to the film other than looking after this one person and maybe what the director, what he or she want or, or looking for. But I think they're both very different positions. And yet I've been equally happy as a personal to, you know, whether it was Mark Wahlberg or, or uh, Daniel Craig or Jake Gyllenhaal uh, or being the department head where I've also done the leading actor like J uh, Ryan Gosling saying First Man. Um, I think it's quite doable. I mean, I would like to see that happen more often, but in my own experience, I've been on jobs where, for instance, on a James Bond movie, say on Skyfall, I could not have been the department head designer uh, worrying about the background or the stunt double for this actor or Naomi Harris's makeup or um, Ray Fiennes because, you know, Daniel's in every single scene of that movie. And then you'll be on a a project that's bigger and more defined uh, as far as a look. And I think it helps if the designer and the department head are overseeing the whole film. I think it keeps for a very cohesive look in the costume, hair, makeup, everything. That's great. That's really great. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of people that really don't kind of grasp like what personal makeup artists do. Like they just right, think it's this right. like glamorous, super easy thing and it's just really not. <laughs> it really isn't. Sometimes the actor has a peace of mind because either they just don't want to go through the having to, to work with somebody new. People don't, you know, it's not about because your personality. Well, yes, it is. It's your personality. It's the way you work. Maybe an actor says, look, I'm good for 10 minutes in the chair. Are you, can you work that way? Yes, I can. So I did 18 films of Mark Wahlberg because he doesn't want to sit in the chair. I did, you know, covered his tattoos, did the makeup. We're not having to reintroduce ourselves to each other. And other people feel they want a collaborative sort of, if you ever see a film called The the Dresser with Anthony Hopkins and Tom Courtney, some people think they're having that relationship. And that's not going to be the case with many actors. So um, I think you have to identify that. Some people just need one person devoted, dedicated to them. They don't want to walk in the makeup trailer and see that someone else is in your chair because that's happened to me. And you'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll be five more minutes. And that person's standing and then delaying production. So there's a, a logistics as well of having someone with their own person. And I, I think it can be very, very uh, effective. That's great. And do you, um, when you do the head of department as well as personal, do you just basically position the, the scheduling throughout the day? Like you always make sure that this is the time that when that person comes in, I'm right. not doing anything but that. 
Yes, I, I mean, it's been very difficult. I've had a couple of films going back quite a long time, but I would say when I did something like Eight Mile, because I also had, you know, Marshall Mathers, Eminem, I had Brittany Murphy, we had a lot of people, but I knew that sort of that was the priority. And also, I think people have to also bear in mind that number one on the call sheet or number two, you know, for instance, I mean, Daniel Craig and Bond means they're probably working pretty much every single day. And many of the other actors are coming in and out. So I would assign my assistant department head or my second or third, or a personal would be doing another person. Well, yeah, that's great. And when, just out of curiosity, this is me just asking, cause I really wanna mm -hmm. like, when I look at your work, I what I respect so much is that the men specifically that you work with, they don't look like they have makeup on. And so um, what you had mentioned before is that like Mark Wahlberg, like he just, it's like 10 minutes and he's done and he appreciates that. So mm -hmm. is your approach more, more so about like you just focus on the skin and you don't do too much foundation? Is that typically mm -hmm. how you approach mm -hmm. your makeup? Yes. I mean, it's a great question. I think, first of all, it's very underrated. I think many people put a lot of focus on great makeup being great character makeup, great prosthetic makeup, great effects makeup. That's fantastic. And we've all been, you know, I've been part of that and both sides of it, but actually to maintain somebody throughout a film, whether it's contemporary or period, keeping the skin is first and foremost, my most important thing. So for instance, somebody like Mark was getting his skin in order, getting it calmed down. You know, when I first met him, he was still fairly young. Well, so was I, but I, I, I think that it was, but I mean, even if you're working with a leading lady, I mean, uh, Emily Blunt and Sicario, I mean, it's, I wanted her to look like she had no makeup. Maybe she puts a lip balm on and a little something, uh, but it's m more difficult to do than people think and to maintain it for three months. Um, try that for people who think, you know, everything's got to be an appliance or some phenomenally complicated makeup. Sometimes simple is just uh, the way to go, but it's also what will get you because not many people can do it. Do you um, ever find yourself for like when you're on these, you know, projects for three months at a time and you're working with um, somebody and you're, you know, doing continuity and they have like a sunburn, is that something you've come mm -hmm. by and how do you, how do you address it? That's always something that I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, do you do like it's, a full body makeup in those cases? Um, you know, they're good questions. Uh, they're great, actually. I remember having that happen in the 90s on a TV thing I was working on in a miniseries. Inevitably, someone on the cast, it happened to me with another actor, not that many years ago, but I guess we broke for Christmas break, you know, for a week or 10 days. And it always happens. People go to the sun or wherever it's warm. It was Christmas time. And this person went, I don't know, Dominican or Cuba or something. Uh, yeah, it's a huge problem. And it's also hugely difficult when an actor forgets that and you have to deal with it and and a sunburn is a very hard thing to cover without using a lot of makeup or a heavier look uh but yeah that's part of what straight makeup is and that's why it needs to be i think looked at as as uh many more steps involved than people give us credit for especially on the men because that's where you're going to end up with the sunburn or you know different things yeah, definitely. Has there been any um, favorite characters that you've liked to develop, like whether that was the process of the character um, or the makeup itself or the person? Well, you know, I love working. I love working with a few people, but I would say, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, I have a, a, a really wonderful time working with him. I think, you know, he uh, he's been in some very interesting films. I think he's immensely talented. 
uh, which makes it easy. We've done a couple of jobs where it was fairly basic, like Spider-Man Far From Home was, I mean, that was a gift. That's where, I mean, I could basically sit and go get a cup of coffee and not worry too much. Um, to, um, you know, and that's a payoff at being a personal when you're on a film like that. But then we've done things like Stronger, which were really difficult and and very all-consuming and makeup and, and prosthetics and character things and contact lenses and Pardon me, but I would say, yeah, I, I think the characters we've done, certainly Nightcrawler, um, I would say Nightcrawler and Stronger were, were uh, and Prisoners, we did a lot. I mean, Prisoners, I had a, a lot of character makeups on almost everybody. Um, so I would say basically, uh, I love doing Eight Mile. I, I would say Prisoners and Sicario and Blade Runner. I've been very, you know, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches, nocturnal animals, but I, I would say the films I've done with Jake have been uh, very interesting and certainly anything with Denis Villeneuve, um, his, his films all have a makeup element in them. And then I've done a couple things with Daniel, like Dragon Tattoo, that I felt the makeup was, was really uh, uh, a, a quite a big element in the film. And so that would be, yeah, I think so. I, Nightcrawler is actually my favorite movie and that's how I stumbled across your work you know several years ago I was like who did the makeup of this mm -hmm. this movie because it's brilliant and then I found out that you pretty much departmented every other movie that I'm like obsessed with mm -hmm. and I love how much his character I mean it's so psychological like to his hair mm -hmm. his stance mm -hmm. his, the way that he lost all that weight to be a part mm -hmm. of it mm -hmm. and um, I just I loved everything you did with every character in that film but especially Jake thank you thank you yes you're welcome well you know I it was a it was a tough film I'm not gonna lie to you I mean it wasn't a big budget we didn't earn we did okay I'm not gonna complain I mean we, we but it wasn't what I was used to. So it was certainly a pay cut to be able to work on it. Uh, we shot the whole thing in Los Angeles, which was great. It was going to be, I can't remember, Louisiana maybe. So I was really thankful because LA really needed to be the place where we made that movie. And no offense to anybody in Louisiana, but it's not the same. And, and you know, I think that there is something about filming in the town it takes place in. But certainly with Nightcrawler, there wasn't a lot of prep involved. Uh, they were very nervous, I think, with... So we had somebody doing Renee, um, and then I looked after Jake and Riz and um, uh, the late Bill Paxton. Um, and, and, you know, we didn't have a large cast, but certainly with Jake, it was a very specific, making him so gaunt and, and kind of yellowy, uh, um, slightly sweaty. Well, not sweaty. It's really a feverish kind of... Uh, temperature and I liked it on him. I never had him sweat and I really made up my mind and Jake agreed that that character doesn't perspire. He's just clammy. He's like a something clammy and sick about him. Um, and he loved that idea in a sickly color. It was quite yellow, if you remember, and really emphasizing the gauntness of his cheeks and here and shading all of this. And, and I loved it. I loved working on the project. The hours didn't bother me and be driving home in the, you know, seven o'clock in the morning shooting in North Hollywood and, and oh my God, all kinds of places. But I loved working on the film. Mm -hmm. The yeah. out of kit, the blood, the 
I loved it mm -hmm. very much. Yeah, yeah. And um, you were saying that you were doing kind of like the, you know, different contour and like shadowing and mm -hmm. things like that. And it's so impressive because you can't even tell that that's something you did as mm -hmm. makeup. It mm -hmm. just looks like it's a part of the skin. It's so mm -hmm. impressive. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I, you yeah. know, I mean, sometimes it makes me a little sad that people... I guess because they don't see the work that it means it wasn't there, which is just not true, of course. But even Riz, I mean, Riz, we gave him a sort of slightly sickly look as well and a kind of a kind of slightly junky look to him. Um, but, you know, all the out of kit, the, the people who were injured and, and the blood, it was slightly stylized, but it was all out of kit. Nothing was prepared in advance. and. We just did it and it was bill paxton and the you know when he's being loaded into the ambulance with with the neck brace and everything on that's all out of kit i did that myself in 15 minutes right on the set oh wow 15 minutes yeah yeah wow. i like to work like that i love that kind of work mm -hmm. it, it, for me it's it's the challenge it, it's the fear of it i guess but i hate all that planned and oh my god it's not my world yeah that's definitely a, a two different worlds for sure but um, do you, oh, I just thought of a question. It's like a pop-up question. Um, oh gosh, might not remember it now. How to do with your prep. Um, but so I'll come back to that if I remember it. Sure. But do mm -hmm. you have, oh, I remember it. So when, when you're doing these, do you find yourself um, reading books about like psychology and like personality traits and things like that? I would say not that much, but I'm, I am a kind of voracious reader. I do research a lot, but I don't go overboard. I don't, I'll watch a couple of films or I'll get the, the taste of something, you know. Um, I mean, the original Blade Runner is something that I watched, you know, coming up in the business quite a bit. Um, for Stronger, I watched things like Coming Home with John Voight because it was about somebody who was in a wheelchair. I, I mean, there have been things just to get a sense of. Um, uh, but I don't like to be too influenced by other things. To, yeah, I to, like that. Yeah, to create. Sometimes people get very caught up in that. I want to create something like creating a new world like Blade Runner 2049. I couldn't be caught up in what other people did. No, not really. Um, but, uh, you know, the reference points, for instance. But I mean, I, I've seen the original Blade Runner many, many times. I have to stop saying the original Blade Runner. That was it. But then I didn't watch it again before I worked on Blade Runner 2049 because I was worried it might influence me too much. Yeah, great. I love that. I love that answer. Um, so last question for you. What advice would you give to aspiring artists that want to pursue a career in um, something similar as you in, in the film mm -hmm, world? Mm -hmm. Well, I think you just have to really persevere. I mean, there's so many, it's very difficult. And I think we never talk about that very much. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's something we have to because it's a challenge. I mean, it's more like acting than, than ever before, because having a career in film and television is a journey and, and it's not for everybody and not everyone will succeed. And, and that's the downside of it. And then some people will, sometimes they shouldn't. I mean, you, but you can say the same thing about any craft or skill or art, acting or music. Um, it's being prepared, it's the right time, it's being in a place that suddenly is making films. Uh, you know, um, if you're in Atlanta and that's where people are making movies now, chances are you have a little bit more exposure or you meet people. But if you don't know anybody, because I certainly didn't when I started, um, and I like to admit that to people because 
if you don't know people and you really do this from the beginning, it's a huge, huge thing to get into. And other people can go to all the schools in the world and get the diplomas and meet all kinds of people, but it's not something they're passionate about. People feel that. I feel it about people. I love movies. I love them. I love actors. Um, I love the theater. So it's a, a thing the way people feel about racing cars or playing tennis or I love movies. So um, I guess that's kind of how I, I ended up making it my living. And you have to be passionate and you often have to put others before yourself. And that's the thing I think to tell somebody starting out, are you prepared to, do you want to make that balance, imbalance, I should say, in your life? If you have to work on Saturday night and it's your mother's 60th birthday party, what will you do? If you're prepared to make the sacrifice, um, some people don't and they still have a great career, but just in my experience, it wasn't that way. I, I think I gave up a lot and lived on a futon for a year on the floor. That was something I was prepared to do and I'm very proud of it and, and it was good for me. So. Uh, but I would say persevere. You have to persevere and do it, but listen to the advice you get from people. Awesome. Thank you so much, Donald, for being here. So everybody, make sure you go follow Donald. It's at Mowat Donald or Mowat Donald, M-O-W-A-T-D-O-N-A-L-D on Instagram. Definitely give him a follow, say hi, check out his work. It's absolutely amazing. And you can also check his work out on his website, www.mowat.com donaldmalik.com. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Donald. My pleasure. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks for thinking of me and having me on and and, uh, carry on the good work. You're doing great. Thank you very much. Was that interview not amazing? Like, can we talk about this for a second? I could talk about makeup literally all day, for real, and just pick these incredibly talented makeup artist brains about what they did for this or how did they do that or what their thoughts are on X, Y, and Z, it always blows me away. Our industry is truly one of a kind and I'm so, so grateful to be a part of it. So if you loved this interview, which I know you did, be sure to share on Instagram and tag both what it takes underscore M-U-A and Donald and you can find him at Moat Donald, which is at M-O-W-A-T-D-O-N-A-L-D. And let us know what your favorite part of this interview was. Until next time, you guys, I'm out.